Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and in ministry. Today is all about growth. We're going to be talking about growth, 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 growth. And I love that word. I love the excitement of it. I love what it says. One of the reasons I really love it right now during this time, we'll get to our guest in just a moment. I love it because so many people have been living in fear. So many people have been in going into their shell and just wanting to hide or play protect or, or just uh, go into maintenance mode. And listen, there's a time and a place for that. I mean, I'm a business coach, so I understand it. But today we're talking about growth. I'm excited to have what I consider a growth expert. So we'll get to our guests in just a moment. Before we do that, I just want to remind everyone, if you want to get to all things Seek, Go, Create, visit our website, seekgocreate.com. That's seekgocreate.com. We have extensive, detailed episode notes for each show. We've got detailed outlines with timestamps. We've got all the resources that we're going to discuss today at seekgocreate.com at this episode. So go to this episode and you'll find all of that. If you haven't done it, give us your best email address there. We'll keep you up to date on all things happening with Seek Go Create. So thank you for doing that. And again, it's a great resource. Make sure you use it. You can also comment and uh, dialogue with us there also. So thanks for doing that. And uh, today, I'm just going to kind of get right to it. Just a short, sweet. We have the founder of Growth Shop. <laughs> like I said, growth is the word here. He's an investor, e-com entrepreneur, $1 billion plus in growth. Mark Patchett is our guest. Mark, welcome to Seek, Go, Create. Hang on. Good to be here. Hello to everybody on Facebook and hello to everybody that will be listening in the future. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many things we could do, but I like to ask the question first. And that is just, Mark, in your own words, what do you do? Tell us what you do. What do we do? Many things. But if we're talking about grow shops specifically, we've we've spent the last uh, decade plus trying to refine all of the mechanisms of what separates companies that grow really quickly and those that don't. So we've we've built that into strategy, execution, technology, and then capital as a, as a bit of an offering. So to sum it up, we we grow businesses really really quickly. So businesses that are in the direct consumer space that are doing about three to five million, we ten x and beyond them. That's our yeah. bread and butter. Yeah, I, I, I love growth, man. I love talking about it. I mean, it's one of the things I do when I try to work with companies and things like that is really uh, press that. And what I want to do, I'm going to kind of give the listener a glimpse of where we're going. I want us to kind of build towards uh, some of the things you just mentioned, things like uh, what companies do right, what they do wrong, what are some biggest hindrances to growth, all of those things. But before we do that, and really I want to get to some tips because I think you're a guy that we could really get some, some really some good foundational tips for those folks that are listening in going, what can I do to grow this organization or this business? And so uh, we'll get to that. But first, I like to understand a little bit of who I'm talking to. I think that's valuable for both myself and the listener. So, uh, you know, I looked, I saw that you spent some time, you're Australia, uh, some time around other places. Currently, you're in the Ukraine. So let's give a little bit, let's let's open the curtain back on Mark and tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up being this expert in all things growth. Uh, yeah. So originally from Sydney, Australia. So I was, I was born right by the beach, 
Uh, it was like a 10 minute walk. It was one of those like aggressive slants where you're like, man, I'm going down, I'm going for a dip. You'd have a swim, the wind would start blowing in and you realize you've got to climb back up this, this mini mountain. But Australia is a phenomenal place to grow up. Like it's the more places I've lived internationally, the more I've appreciated it. So one of the things I, I didn't really get from Australia is that you'd, you'd work really hard in like marketing. So I, I started actually working in user experience. So before I even knew what growth was, I'd be sitting down next to, I was working for Qantas actually, uh, the big airline, sitting down, they're like, we've got all these customer service issues. What, what, what the hell's going on? The data team can't work it out. So we narrowed it down that it was uh, it was an older demographic. So I went to all these old ladies' houses and I'd sit down next to them and observe them using the computer. And they're like, I don't know how to use this bloody thing. Uh, so it, it started in that UX context and I got good at building websites and user flows. And then I was like, how do I get more people to the website? I was like, how to get more people to website? I was like, oh, SEO. I was like, all right, that's really cool. So I learned about SEO and my like, SEO takes too long. I'm like, how can I get people to the website? And how can I do it a heck of a lot quicker? Paid ads, paid ads, okay, cool. So then did that and then I was like, okay, now I'm really good at this. How do I start making more money from it? How to create your own business? So it was this journey that just kept stacking it and it would always be learning, working with amazing people, launching my own business, realizing what I didn't know, finding other people to work with to fill those gaps. And it kept going. So I went from Sydney and then I moved to Boston and then Amsterdam and then back to Sydney and then over to London and then started working with uh, people in the US and then lived and traveled remotely while building businesses in Asia and then went back to London and am now settled semi in Ukraine. There's the yeah, open curtain. Yeah, that's good. You mentioned a couple of things there I'm going to kind of come back to. But right now you're in the Ukraine and uh, give us, uh, you know, one of the things I like to ask, you know, timestamp this that we're in. We're recording in September ish of, mm -hmm. uh, of 2021 might be released. Some people might be listening in late 2021, early 2022. But uh, just give us a snapshot because I love to, to let people know what's going on there. You know, we're hopefully finishing up pandemic in some parts of the world. It's raging in some parts. But just a quick snapshot. Just tell us about Ukraine and what's happening there. It's a phenomenal place. It's a phenomenal place. So the the original, well, the uh, the HQ for Grow Shops based in London. Then I needed to build our kind of like a, an executional hub. So we originally built it in Saigon in Vietnam, and then we had a lot of time zone issues. And I tell you what, with COVID, like they don't mess around. It's like the iron wall was up, so I couldn't get in and out. So then I was looking, I was researching in Europe. I was like, Eastern Europe is phenomenal for developers. It's phenomenal for designers. I was like, where do we, where do we, where do we set up shop? So I started looking for the ratios of public and private investment in education, because I'm a big believer in training up young talent. And we found this unbelievable woman, uh, Galina, who was running one of the accelerators here. So one of the other keys that may be useful for listeners, if you're expanding somewhere internationally, have someone that's super dialed on the ground. Don't just use it as some external executional hub, really invest in building your community. So Ukraine had a large population, loads of developers, loads of designers, lots of investment. Uh, but then I get here and I'm like, this place is unbelievable. Like I could actually, I could actually show you the view. You wanna see the view? Yeah, show us the view. The people listening in are going, what's you going on? Wait, oh, that's beautiful. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think this is Ukraine. Like look at, that's what it looks oh, like. That is stunning. For those yeah. listening in, it's yeah. night there. I'm, I'm at day where That's I'm at, but it's night. 
But what a beautiful view there from your, yeah. now you're not, are you on the penthouse suite or is this just a regular guy suite? Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. It was, it was owned by an Italian guy who's named Marco and he set up shop here, but there was a huge civil uprising here. So he moved his company from here to Switzerland. He brought over Italian architects and, and builders and did it all, but never got to live in it. So then I just, I moved in. Uh, wow. well, thanks for yeah. showing us the view there and also thanks for giving us a glimpse it sounds as if that they haven't been as impacted and here's the big thing i love what you said you need to go places that feed the mission of what you're trying to accomplish i mean listen mm -hmm. you rattled off some really stunning places i mean i've been to sydney i've been to london i mean all the places you brought up they're all beautiful but my guess is is that a lot of people wouldn't say I'm going to go to Kiev to build and grow what I'm doing, but that's exactly what you're doing. And that's, that's so critical. So that's mm. a good learning point there. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Any other learning points? Let's kind of go back to your journey because I love to talk about journey. Also your journey, you kind of mentioned something when you, when you talked about Australia, Australia is kind of a laid back place. I, I've mm. been there and you hate to kind of, you hate to just kind of quantify an entire country, mm. but they're pretty laid back. So growing up, how did Mark kind of get the growth DNA gene to want to be aggressive to find these ways of growing? I mean, you mentioned being at Qantas. Qantas is a pretty, you know, they've been around. They're kind of a legacy company. So, uh, so where'd the growth gene come from? What, what's that all about? So that, that came from my granddad. So, really? Uh, yeah. Tell us about him. Yeah. So my, my parents, uh, two of the most amazing people on the planet, like truly. So they, they met uh, working at a suicide hotline. Like that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So dad was the manager, mom was one of the young ones that came in and then I don't understand all the details of what happened next, but it was true love. Uh, really, really amazing people, uh, but not, not very entrepreneurial, not really business-like. business, business -like. So dad, dad's now a psychologist for all of the staff, uh, or was, he's retired now for all the Sydney uh, Sydney hospitals and mom mom's a phenomenal artist that works with special needs students uh, but the the entrepreneurial part skipped it from it came directly from my granddad so my granddad pioneered the health food industry in Australia he moved over from Italy uh, changed his name from Vincenzo Russo to Vincenzo Russell in those days people wouldn't do business with people with you know a name like Russo so he he worked his butt off his entire life building this empire and when he retired, I, I was born, I think a few years, uh, a few years old, something like that, two, three. He went to Italy to trace our roots to a tiny island called um, Salina. And his body wasn't used to not having that level of stress. So then he had a stroke. So then from that point on, he was never able to speak or communicate. So I would go over to his house and the way that we communicated was that he used to share all these business books with me. So he'd sit down and he, he, or he'd walk over and every day, even when he got frail, he would create us a carrot juice. He lived next door and bring us two vitamin C for each of uh, my brother and sister and myself. And then, but I was the only one that got business books because I was the only one that really cared about it when I get a bit older. And then he'd give me like a share certificate. So I just had this, this fascination with it that never really went anywhere. And from the title of the show, it was this, this like inbuilt desire to seek, to seek answers. Yeah, and I, thanks for tying that in because I, I think that there is a, um, you know, the people that don't search and seek and look, uh, they typically are pretty content where they are. Mm. 
Mm. And that's probably not someone who is really going to be seeking and searching for that growth. I mean, my guess, tell me if I'm wrong on this. You are always looking for the better way or the quicker way or the more effective, efficient, cost effective, whatever way Mm. of doing what you do. Would that be correct? Yeah, 100 percent. 100%. 100%. But it's, it's not, but it's not an option. It's not an option. Yeah. And, and where, where it gets tough is that you're, you become your best manager. It's, and that, that's one thing when we look at hiring, you determine the people that have grown. So I ask, what, what different books are you reading? What are your different hobbies? And you determine whether it's a job or whether it's like a life calling. And you can pick it really quickly. So people are like, why are you working? I'm like, I'm doing the stuff I love. I'm doing the stuff I love. So I think it's, I completely agree. It's like a binary thing. It's the lights on or the lights not off. Sure, sure, sure. It's just dim and comfortable. So this is a tough question. I'm I'm not playing like uh, like your parents, like psychologist or anything like that. But <laughs> what what allows you to relax? I mean, do you ever like to kick back and go? You know, we're we're good for a day or two. Let me just relax. Or are you kind of always in that go mode? Uh, yeah, that's a tougher question, right? <laughs> it is. It's uh, I I really I really like restaurants and hospitality. So I still apply a growth mindset to it. So I have this uh, big list because I like all the different, trying the different Michelin star restaurants and the tasting menus. It's called uh, Michelin Possible. So I go there with some of my buddies and we track the restaurants and we do the ratings. But that, when you sit down and I like those restaurants because it's kind of quiet and you just, you don't, you don't check your phone in these kind of places and you just engage in conversation and you've got the wine pairing and you're thinking about the food and you're just enjoying the experience. So that's one of my big ways. Uh, and then also lots of travel in between. Yeah. So that's how you let your mind slow down a little bit, because I'm a big believer with people that are kind of growth driven, that we also have to slow our mind down to allow some of those creative things to come to us. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, completely agree. So I was reading a really interesting book about uh, Michelangelo, and it was talking about the way that he created, the way that his, his most poignant ideas came to him and he would meditate heavily on an issue he'd focus heavily on an issue but the ideas only came when he went for three hour walks that's when it popped that's when it popped yeah. so i completely agree and that helps people that have growth mindsets because you're like oh that's actually relaxation is actually the most optimal tactic for growth then, yeah. then it's yeah. that's the, the reason I, I love that, I actually just went on about a one-hour walk to shortly before I, I pushed record here. And as I was going, I was listening to something, mm. and then I paused for about 20 minutes, and I'm just thinking about, okay, I'm about to talk to Mark. We're going to be talking about growth. You know, I had your background. I've done some research on you. You know, what are some things we need to discuss? What are some things that the listener would want to know? What are some things that I want to know? Mm. And so, uh, so I agree. Now, I used to be, and as I was younger, um, Mark, I used to be a guy that would go, go, go all the time. And I would find that it would make me very, uh, I don't know if the word's myopic, but narrow minded. Mm. I would be thinking about one thing all the time and it would be like my only go to tool. Mm. But one of the things I've noticed in studying you, you've got a lot of tools in your toolbox, right? Mm. Yeah. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. And a lot of it's come, like, you know, the, yet the, the UX, I'm sitting here looking at some things in my notes here. You know, thousands of hours in, in, you know, the user experience, customer, competitor, market research. You've launched your own business. You know, all of those things, I think, go into who we are and who you are. 
Mm. Before I get too far, though, uh, there's something you just brought up, and it kind of got me salivating a little bit. I hope it didn't dribble and people <laughs> see it on the uh, on the video. And that is, you said that you've got some books that you ask people about when you're looking at hiring or looking at interacting with some people. Mm. Can you reveal to us what some of those books might be or some ones that you go, ooh, if mm. they're reading this or they've read this recently, there are people. There are people that are going to have a growth mindset and think bigger. Well, the first one is art book. <laughs> are you reading anything? Yeah, yeah. If they're not, that, that's a good clue, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, it's, it's always a really, it's always one of the, the highlights. And it's okay if you don't. Like, not everyone reads books. I'll go through spurts. Like, if you, uh, I only brought over my cookbooks from, from London, but I've got many, many books that are like 20% read through, and I'll, I'll vigorously be highlighting and it will stop. Uh, but it just needs to be, it needs to be anything. So, I used to have a quite a biased perspective. So, I, used to, I had an ex girlfriend who studied philosophy. And in Australia, you study business. You don't do philosophy. Philosophy is you know, fluffy, fluffy BS. But then what I started realizing is that philosophy, you get taught to think. Business, you get taught you know, fixed frameworks, but you don't get taught to think. So then I started really liking and being fascinated by people that would read deep on any type of topic area. And it could be philosophical, uh, philosophical types of things, or it could be things about art history. It could be things about ancient history. So it's anything where if someone told you that they were reading it, you're like, you're a person that has an inherent sense of curiosity. And that was it. So it wasn't, here's the top 10 business books you've got to reach. It's like, are you a deep thinker? That, that was what I looked for. Yeah, I, I love the thought of that because one of the things I've said that we've created in our country and really as I've traveled around the world is we've created in first world a lot of people that don't think mm -hmm. and and I think that's very tragic I mean we're, we're educating them we're throwing a bunch of stuff at them they could regurgitate and spit spitbacks actually they can't spit back in much information that's a challenge yeah. but they can't really think and so I love the thought of people that are just digging in to something so I'm, I'm I was actually thinking you give me a list of three but I love that answer even better so mm. thanks for sharing that so so let's keep going down this path so so you now have all of these things that have come in I actually let me see if I could get back to what I'd written down on this I I had a list of things here that I'm just going to kind of rattle off this is kind of bio part two yeah 10 cool. plus years of building lean growth teams now explain to some people some people don't understand the lean mm. part of that but explain what a growth team is but definitely the lean part of it so that people understand that sure so the the big distinction with lean comes from when you spent your own money that's the distinction. Uh, so when I, when I was working with my first clients uh, in at web profits as a sydney-based growth agency which is an amazing company uh you'd get someone like i had one client who was a, a baby whisperer She's like, all right, I need you. I, I need you to convince other parents to let me stay in their kids' room. I was like, and I'm like, how much you got to do it? She's like, a thousand dollars a month. No, she was five hundred dollars a month. And she's like, and I need a landing page included. So you, you start to get very resourceful with how you can execute. You need to learn how to do copywriting. You need to learn basics of design principles. You need to understand uh, digital marketing. So lean for me meant that you were able to achieve a large goal with a very low operational cost. So in contrast to that would be a heavily venture backed company who says from you know post seed round or from the beginning, we're gonna pump loads of cash into this business. We're gonna hire 
extremely expensive people and it's going to be a moonshot type approach. So maybe the business will work or maybe it won't, but we're going to load it heavily, which, which works many of the time, uh, much of the time, sorry, not much of the time, some of the time, but the businesses I like are businesses that have a real business type of framework, but with the type of blueprint that allows you to scale at the same rate of those companies. So lean means multiple hats and being very conscious of the cost of those, those people. And that doesn't mean yeah, that, doesn't, pay, that doesn't mean paying people a low amount. It means paying the right people the right amount and giving them performance-based incentive. Yeah, I love the very focused nature of it. It's real interesting. I was just sitting here thinking as you were talking. Currently, I have clients that I'm working with that are in both categories. I have some people that are. Well, I, I use the term bootstrap a lot, which is. Yeah, yeah similar maybe a little older school word but it's basically you're doing your things to kind of grow the company uh internally you're not bringing in outside and then i've got clients that are you know have outside capital mm. there is a different way that they think which is very interesting to me and i can't say that i like one more than the other but i love the aspect of hey listen we're gonna we're gonna go as lean as we can to get the quick results mm. and and grow and scale so that's kind of what i take from that yeah. Um, a, a lot of hyper use the term hyper growth startups in one of the write-ups I saw. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about hyper growth startup, what that looks like and what that means for you? I mean, a lot of people might say, hey, I'm a startup, we're hyper growth, but maybe mm -hmm. not. What is hyper growth to you? So I think hyper, hyper growth is, is, is individual somewhat, but hyper growth uh, in that context, what I'm talking about there was, was to do with Nectar Sleep, which is a really, really fun company uh, that I helped grow with, with some amazing, amazing people. That business we took from 10 million revenue to a quarter of a billion in 18 months. And we did that with a fraction of the capital that the competitive set had. So that, that's, that's hyper growth, that's, that's a fatty. That one kicked up fast. And then it continued you know, towards over half a billion in revenue. Wow. Yeah, that's good. Um, uh, so this kind of brings up to a, a bigger question about growth. And, uh, you know, I said it at the beginning, growth is the theme here. That's what we're going to be talking about. And I, I, the question that I have at times when I go into organizations that I go into, I'm not coming in just for growth. Many times it's, you know, they're looking for leadership, leadership type coaching or something like that. And many times they will tell you, we would love to have more revenue. But I'm not sure that they totally understand and mean that because mm. they don't understand what it what it means to have it. And they they also many times have other issues that need to be addressed also. Yeah. But how from your perspective and I know I'm asking maybe a loaded question to someone who you know works in a growth industry. But how important is growth? I mean, is it is it like the only thing? Is it one of the most important things? Is it just another thing in, in the whole thing that we need to be thinking about with business and organizations? How important is growth? It's, you've got, I think the, the most important thing before you ask is what you want out of it and why you've done what you're doing. So I've, I've had multiple instances where I've told someone, don't work with us. Like we can grow the bejangles out of your business but do you know what it means? Do you know what it means to have uh, risk exposure when you're buying $5 million worth of inventory every month and you might have a slow patch? Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means if you have to go and get private equity to cover that and give away 60% of your company? Do you want that? And some people 
often when they're, they're treating a business as a business and they want to build it, they want to sell it, and they've usually got a diversified, diversified portfolio. It's different from that because they know that if it doesn't work, uh, it's okay. But if someone, it's all they've got and they've already got a really good life. Like we, we talked to an amazing company the other day, uh, yesterday actually, really cool. So it's a husband-wife duo and his wife is, uh, is from Mexico and she designs these beautiful uh, prints and she has it on phone cases, she has it on clothing, really, really cool stuff. And they've got that business up to multiples of millions. And they're like, you know, we're debating how we want to grow this thing really big because we don't have any outside investors. We make good income from it. We get to make our own decisions. We could keep cruising like this. We want to work out how to make it big while retaining that. So that's the right growth question. It's how do we grow and it's how do we grow and make while maintaining X, Y, Z. So I think growth is really important, but only when you've worked out your values and the reason you've built what you've built. Yeah, I, I appreciate that response because I have been around some people that just want to throw gas on the fire and generate growth. But mm -hmm. I love the example you brought up of this couple because it's interesting, you know, they need to ask what's their lifestyle? What, what stage of life are they at? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where, where do they want to create? I mean, there's, it's, I actually have some clients too that we're really building out some infrastructure to prepare for some growth because mm -hmm. if we had a lot of growth today, I mean, we had a call just yesterday about some of our behind the, you know, behind the curtain, you know, uh, customer response and things like that. And you know what? We're not ready. Now we're close. Mm -hmm. We're building, we're building to get to it so that, you know, yeah. but if they all of a sudden had 500, a thousand new people come through the doors, our digital doors, yeah, man, we would have a mess and they would almost go right out the back door and we would have created some bad, you know, some bad blood with them. So totally. thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that, because I think a lot of people that are kind of so in tune and focused on growth, mm. they don't tie it in with a big picture. That's one of the reasons that wasn't a gotcha question. I just yeah. want to know where you thought about on that. So I can um, add, there are can I add one more thing on that one. Yeah, sure. I, I should have mentioned this. The values of our company, so the values of our company are smarter, faster, happier. Smarter, faster, happier. It's a triangle. All three have to be achieved at the same time. So this is this is another thing I learned, which I had this I had this epiphany moment where it was with another business I was working with, and it was so hard, and it was not pleasant. And I learned a lot, and I'm really grateful I went through the experience. But I was like, I I just know that if you think about it in the right way from the beginning, you can build things really quickly by having an intelligent approach and the outcome is that you can be happy throughout the entire time. It shouldn't be, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when I sell it. I'll be happy when I've got this many people. You don't need to do it. So I think about it as now and then. So now and then, yeah. now I want to be happy, then I want to be happy. So smarter, faster, happier. So that's probably something I should have brought up. Yeah, similar things for me. I mean, I've we've run companies. We've had companies that have grown pretty big. We've actually lost some companies and had some challenges. But, and people that I've interacted with, and I kind of see some similar things. You know, mm. it, there there's a lot of people that they don't necessarily be they don't need to be running. You know, companies with a hundred employees, and uh, you know, there's a big word now, decentralized, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that goes with blockchain and things like that, and. There's some companies out there that are doing some fantastic things without having locations, without having yeah. all the employees. And to me, that suits my lifestyle. I mean, I'm sitting here in the passenger seat of an RV. You know, now I'm somewhere in the middle of South Dakota. So I obviously kind of love that. 
But uh, I, I love, this is a great thing, Mark, and I appreciate the values that you bring to the table that a lot of people could come to you and say, hey, listen, we want to grow revenue. I think most people get that, but you actually, sounds like you dig to get to, do you really want to and are you really ready for it? Yeah. And, uh, and I think that's really cool. So thanks for sharing that. There's also some philosophies out there you know, I don't want to say it's the hustle mindset, but maybe the grow at all cost, mm. you know, more revenue solves everything, more customers solve everything. You've probably seen a lot of examples of some things that have worked really well in that arena and maybe some things that haven't. Mm. And on, on the show here, by the way, we like, we're okay talking about things that didn't work out. All right. In fact, that's what redefined success is all about. Things that may not have worked well that we learn from it. So can you share some, and I know you don't want to name names of clients or anything like that, but maybe just some examples of when things maybe didn't work so well, or they weren't ready, or they they shouldn't have pressed the gas pedal mm. when they did with you guys. Can you share some of that? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, so this was my first foray into venture capital, which I was anti VC for a while because this was my only experience, but we can, we can share this a bit later, which I think is really, really valuable. And it's about building things in the right way so that when you take on capital, it's on your own terms and it's an accelerant. It's not a requirement. It's not, it's not on the, on the teat of a cow where you need the milk. And if the milk dries up, you're in trouble. So the, the experience here was businesses that got early traction, not enough, had interest from venture capital, sold a big chunk of the business away, which meant they lost one or two board seats. This is, this is an example uh, I went through. And then you, you're in this really challenging position where the, do you, do you ever use the tool Harvard graphics? Do you remember that one? I'm familiar with that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't used it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. This is from 15 years ago or something. My dad had it and I was obsessed yeah. with it. So it would just, it was, it's, it was the tool used to create graphs. So I used, I think I was nine or eight. I used to always create the line graphs that were just always bottom, bottom left, up to the top of the right. And I would just print these out, put them all over my room. So my parents are like, go talk to your granddad. We don't want to talk to you about this stuff. Uh, so the, the challenge we had is that if the graph wasn't perfect when they had to present it uh, to the VCs, then there was a problem. And then they'd come in, these, these other guys and girls, and just put pressure on it. So then what you had to start doing is one of one or two things happen. So when there's the, the saying, revenue solves all problems, it solves all problems for the business, but it may not solve all the problems for the mental health of the people that have to cop the brunt of it. That's the savage bit. Someone's taking a hit. Someone's taking a hit there. So in this instance, that happens. There was mass burnout. Uh, from everyone in the company. But then we had to start using marketing tactics such as deep discounts that weren't sustainable for the long run. So you kind of cook in the books to sh accelerate short-term revenue growth, but then burning the opportunity for lifetime value in the future. So it was it was a bit of a quagmire. So that, that was a tricky one to go through. Yeah, that that's so helpful to know. And, and you're right. I mean, one of the things that I do is I actually try to find cracks, you know, mm. in, in organizations, I can kind of go in, I'm an engineer by training and I look for places that could, that could allow stress and strain to bust things. Mm. And so, uh, so it sounds really cool that you're able to, uh, you know, identify that. And some of that is via our experience, anything else, I'll, I'll even ask for you personally, anything that you've had to over the years redefine, again, one of our subtitles is redefine success. 
any challenge, issue, difficulty, experience you've had that have caused you to kind of redefine what success looks like to you? Yeah, loads, loads. So yeah, I... give us one, <laughs> at least one. <laughs> I'll give you one. So I, uh, and we talked about this, I think maybe it was before the show started, uh, but it was I've always, when you become your own manager. So I've always, I've always beaten myself up for not being really good at things or not being really good at anything. So I was like, I need to be an amazing data engineer. I need to be this, I need to be that, I need to be that. And then I, I burnt out and I felt cruddy because I wasn't as good as other people within these specific areas. So then one day I was like, you know what? I remember this little thing I learned in university and maybe I'll make some good out of all that money I spent. And I did a SWOT analysis on myself. So, and, I was, and it was really interesting because when you start writing it out, you have to call BS, BS on yourself. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at this. I'm like, no, I'm not, I just suck at this. And the outcome of it was, was revelatory because what I did is I did two things. So I said, all right, I'm really good at this. So I need to keep getting better at this. I'm bad at this, but I need to be good at this. So something like communication skills, negotiation skills, you just got to get better at it. But then there was other things where like my attention to detail is deplorable, is deplorable. I need to get it good enough but then I would hire for it. So I would either double down because I'm good, I would train up because I need to, or I would hire to fill that gap with someone that was good at it. So that that was that was a huge thing. Yeah, the, the thing that's cool about that, I've just recently gone through Strength Finders, which their philosophy, that's from Gallup, you know, the, uh, the, the Strength Finders, where they really identify your strengths and their thought is, forget about your weaknesses, but just play to your strengths. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you said and that there are some weaknesses that we have. I mean, listen, you can't be a poor communicator for the most part in today's world and, and have any level of success, especially when we're communicating on things like we're doing right now, Zoom, mm -hmm. recordings, you know, via text or, or, or Slack or other tools like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be able to communicate. You've got to be able to communicate in a lot of different ways. If you are not good at that, you need to get better at it. You know, the hope is that in, that in the lower schools, lower level schools and all that, people would learn that. They don't. Yeah. And so, uh, so we kind of have to teach ourselves that, but, uh, I, I love that. I love that you, it, since you're not a detail person, hire it out and you're correct. You can get people to do that. That actually in my organization, my wife is that she mm. actually has such a maniacal attention to detail at times. Yeah. It can be really challenging and tough, but boy, we yeah. need people like that in organizations, don't we? Yeah, entirely. And it, it's when you, I remember when I was first hiring out for it, I'm like, I almost feel a bit bad about this. Until you meet someone like without knowing your wife, I bet she loves it. Oh, I yeah. bet it's, it's her thing. She's operating it's in her jam. Yeah. 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 If she were to meet Mark and say, oh my gosh, she's got this in disarray. She goes, I'm going to fix this and clean it up and it's going to be awesome. And people are going to know exactly yeah. where things are and their schedules and calendars. They're never going to miss meetings and all this yeah. kind of stuff. It's like, wow, that's really... Yeah. really cool so anyway yeah she and she runs a lot of the stuff for our businesses and things like that so mm -hmm. um so I, I i like that i like i like where we're headed here but i really think that the value that we can provide because we have a lot of people that have we got some small mom and pops we got people with large organizations and i'll go ahead and tell you mark we've got people that listen in all over the world in various stages of leadership and and some of the organizations are not even for profit. I mean, we've got people with ministries and nonprofits and things like that. 
but all of them have, I believe, a subset or something that they need to focus on more, and that is growth. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'd love for us to do here in the time we've got, a little less than you know, 20 minutes or something like that, is I'd love for us to start big. Let's mm-hmm. just go with if someone is listening and they go, you know what? We need to focus more on growth. We need to be thinking more about it. We need to inject that into our organization. Mm. Let's talk, I like to use the word macro and micro. Let's talk a little macro first, and then we'll get down to, as we wrap up, with some specific tips and things that people can use. And I'll even tell people how they can get in touch with you if they want to kind of engage with you. But can you do that? Let's kind of do some teaching here in the next few minutes that we have. Line it up. Let's do it. All right, so let's talk big. Let's say someone... They don't really know where they stand. Maybe they don't even have good measurements, but they're just going, we are at X, and at some point in the not-too-distant future, we would love to be at 4X, 8X, 10X of where we are now. Give some, and give mindset, too. I mean, give some mm-hmm. thought process as well as some things that they need to be thinking through. Mm. So the, the, the first thing I always do is start with the five whys, which we touched on before which I, I want to know why do you want to get to that level? And then it's it's not even just the why, it's the do you know what the implications would be? Do you know what it means? So if you're 5Xing, are you interested and excited about managing five times more people? Are you ex- excited about being five times more exposed? So a lot of the time when we think about growth, it's, it's typically going to be revenue-based or it's going to be profit-based. So even if you're in a not-for-profit, uh, you want to be increasing your ability to have impact. So it's, it's typically going to be the same type of thing. So then I always ask, is this, is this about revenue? Is this about profitability? Which are two very, very different things. And unless you're a win it like a zero sum game type of player, and it is about revenue, it's usually going to be about profit or I prefer it because it creates a much happier life. So then once I, once I back it out, uh, about why they want to do it and i set a reasonable goal with them which is usually about profit then i drill down it's like the tree that comes down so i was like all right what are your actual drivers of profitability and where i had another big moment was when i realized i wrote a, a, real, a fun little thing so i got a website ecomacademy.com where i talked about doubling your business without spending another cent so then we start trying to create a a tree of these different kpis that will lead to their outcome So with things like profitability, uh, if we're using direct-to-consumer businesses uh, as the context, a lot of the time people are like, oh, I gotta spend more on Facebook ads, I gotta get more traffic, I gotta hit this. I'm like, well, have you even tried to negotiate your payment terms? Like what impact does it have on your business if you're booking the revenue for your products on day zero and you'd have to pay for them for 45 days? You can self-fund the growth of your company. It's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, well, how have you negotiated with Cox? They're the kind of unit economic basis and financial engineering components that are really important. But then from the marketing side, you can look at, uh, and I love this. People are like, well, how do I double my business? Uh, I'm going to spend so much more money. I was like, all right, well, why don't you look at this? What happens if you increase your average order value? You're only going to do it by 26%. What happens if you increase your conversion rate by 26%? And what happens if you increase your lifetime value? You haven't spent another cent and you've doubled your business. And it's hard to double a business, but it's easy to increase something by 26% and do that three times. So I start trying to break down a bit of a roadmap so that people need to know their numbers. And they, before they think about growth, they need to ensure that the economic fundamentals of their business are as optimized as they can be. Yeah, in general, I'm gonna stop you right here. In general, do you find that people have a 
almost said, do they have a clue, but I'll use a better word. Do they have a grasp of their numbers? That's something that is very bothersome to me. Mm-hmm. How many business owners, and so if you're listening in on this, I'm kind of going to step on your toes for a second. <laughs> how many business owners that don't really know their numbers? I Most. mean, they're, they're, they're getting by, they're doing well, but when you ask them some of the questions like, what's your margins? What's your uh, retention? What, you know, how, you know, how are you doing with, uh, you know, what was your last three years of uh, revenue profitability, you know, especially, you know, some ratios related to your employees and things like that. Mm. I, don't, I get these glazed over looks. What do you find with that? I mean, do you find, I mean, that some know their numbers, some don't, mm. what do you, what, what do you see with that? I would say at like a highly sophisticated level, 5%, no, but wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. sad. And, yeah. But what's exciting about it is that a lot of the businesses that we try and find are doing, you know, three to 5 million and one to 10X, but they've done it because they understood the customer and they understood the product so well that you can actually get away with it if you've right. got that as such a core strength. And I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot easier to find an accountant than it is to find someone who understands a product and product, sorry, a customer and product development. So it's it's almost like a beautiful thing where you're like, do you know, do you know how well you've done without understanding anything? Uh, sorry, without understanding any of these financial components. So yeah, it's, it's very few understand it as sophisticated level, but uh, there's still a lot of companies that do really well but it's okay until that level. As soon as you start getting a little bit bigger and one of your primary traffic sources stops, that's when you like, that's when the cracks just splinter. Yeah, I, I love that. Cause that actually goes back to the SWAT that you mentioned earlier. It's kind of organizations, mm-hmm. not just individuals, but organizations yeah. need to do that SWOT analysis to say, what are they good at? Man, you know what? We have been providing good value to a customer for five years now without knowing a lot of other stuff, but you know, that's foundational. Mm. And, uh, and and if they can do that, mm. then you could build a company around that. But then, you know, these companies that are just wanting to grow and, you know, are, are they really providing value? You know, it's mm. really kind of hard to go back and fix that yeah. if they don't know how to do that. So that's good. So, so I, I, you mentioned something else earlier that I wanted to bring up because I get this quite a bit and I bet people are listening. There's a listener that's thinking the same thing they're thinking, you know what, I need more Facebook ads, or Mm. I need Google ads, or Mm. I need, I'm going to go old school, one of my first jobs was building billboards, I need a bunch Mm. of billboards, or I listened to radio, I was just recently driving cross country, I actually listened to radio for a little while, because I haven't listened in a while, Mm. just to see what was going on in radio, I need some radio ads, Mm. I mean, when, when people come to you, and they say something like that, what is uh, all right go th- tell me what goes through your head mm. and then tell me what comes out of your mouth because i bet it's two <laughs> different things <laughs> am well, i right <laughs> yeah so so i i was i was learning a a, a practice a standing meditation practice called jazz uh. and i i found this amazing uh chinese guru who happened to be in london i'd watched these really dated videos i found on youtube he's really really good and i'm trying to learn it and I'm, I'm standing doing the practice and i'm like man what do i do what do i put my hand what do i put my hand he goes you will know you will know and he kept doing it it was driving me mental uh and now it's the same kind of answer i give someone it's like i need these ads i need that i go why 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 
And then I make sure that they understand the framework of how you improve the business, what we were talking about before, the AOV, the conversion rate, the lifetime value. So you, you never ever wanna be pouring more cash in until you can confidently say that you've fixed the fundamental economics of the business or that they're really strong, they're really solid, and you've focused on all those other drivers. Because I think about it donating to the Facebook Foundation and it kills me. I love Facebook, it's helped me build a lot of my life, but I wanna be keeping as much myself as possible because then i can do a lot more good with it so I, I always push them but if if they do have the numbers working and facebook is cranking for them and their return on ad spend or their profitability is good yeah hit it hit it but don't just say you want to do it because you talk to move you know down at the red flamingo having a pint for the you know what i mean yeah, yeah. I heard somebody said, listen, I had somebody that said I should do more Facebook ads. So can you do that for me? It's like, uh, I love that. I love how you tied in the standing meditation to, to calm, <laughs> calm, <laughs> calm yourself. Uh, that's really good. So, uh, um, you know, I, this is a little bit of a sidebar question, but then I want to come back to how we how we do growth the right way. You brought that up earlier. So that's probably what we're going to spend our last few minutes on but you brought up the facebook foundation and listen there's google and there there is they have been gathering data now for 10 plus years on people which makes it easier mm -hmm. for people to target mm -hmm. but there are starting to be some indications that that might be changing yeah do you have any concerns as you look out over the horizon about uh, any of these organizations that we've used in the past to target, you know, one-legged males between the age of 45 and 55 that make 100,000 to 125,000 a year mm. that live in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. I'm joking only slightly about that. Mm. But um, I mean, concerns, things you're seeing on the horizon, and then we're going to circle back and get back on track. I was just curious about that. Yeah, big change. So, so I, I like to think about an active and latent intent in terms of how people discover brands. So active intent um, <coughs> is uh, looking for second leg, looking for second male leg. That's going to Google, that's not going anywhere. People are directly telling Google what they want, that's fine. Psychographic components or demographical based targeting, demographics is actually okay, uh, is, is going, you know, it's, it's quickly. So they've still got, you know, decades or decade plus of data where they've got a good understanding of the profiles of the people, but what they're losing because the big tech guys like to throw their toys out of the pram uh, is they no longer know whether the one-legged guy purchased something. So they've lost the ability to understand the economic value of the pieces of psychographic information that they have. That's changing. But it doesn't really matter ultimately because what it does is it shifts where you should be focusing. So businesses were built on radio, businesses were built on billboards, all this stuff worked and you didn't have the ability to understand whether someone clicked off. You didn't have the ability to understand how much time someone spent on your website. So what it's doing is it's shifting where you should be focusing and there's a resurgence back into understanding the value of your brand and there's a resurgence back towards the importance of community and also qualitative insights and talking to the pixel talking to the people that the pixel it was aggregating yeah i loved earlier too that you brought up the aspect of you know the importance of copywriting and different things mm. like that i think i think in many ways that's been a lost art i mean i studied under some i studied under some people that were doing copywriting and marketing 
kind of right at the time we started seeing some of the online components mm. and you know everybody was saying you know will will copywriting you know basics things that have been around for 50 years mm. will that work online i think we've seen times that it's done differently mm. but i think some of those basics of copywriting are going to stand the test of time what are your thoughts on that ah oh, 100% 100%. So one of the best hacks I had when we were writing copy uh, is I'd go talk to mattress sales guys. I'd go talk to Big Fat Joe from places like Nebraska. You get on the phone and you talk to these guys because it was the same type of selling that people have been doing for, for eons. And it's the same thing, those fundamental copy principles. Uh, it, it's shifted a little bit in format where it used to be, you know, longer format was, was working, but a longer format still works when the copy's good. It's just that the actual ad formats weren't as optimized for that type of copy. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, and, and I think, you know, you talked about earlier about things that people could learn. Mm. I, I think if anyone learns just a little bit of copywriting, communications is what that is, I think there's value to that. You mentioned earlier the right way. So so let's just say, actually one more question before I get to that, I'm kind of teasing a little bit. Let's say I come to you and, and let's just say, you know, Mark, I think I want uh, to use you to do some things. Mm -hmm. What would be some clues that, and we've talked a little bit about it, but I want to be pretty succinct here. What would be some clues where you might say to yourself, no, Tim, timing's not right. You're not the right guy. You don't have things in place, something like that. And then what might be some clues where you go, yes, Tim's somebody that we could work with, come under our fold, we're going to work together. I guess what I'm looking for is a little bit of mindset and practical things before mm. we get into that right way for, for growth to happen. Uh, a lot of it, it depends on the problems, how, how aware they are of what they've solved and what they haven't solved. So if I talk to someone and I say, all right, tell me what's been going on in the last 12 months or the last 24 months. What I wanna hear is, well, we launched this product, we noticed this, the feedback was this, so then we did this, and then this worked, but then this happened. I wanna see that someone's noticing and changing things. And if they're doing that, it means two different things to me. One, it means that they're intelligent. Two, it means they're driven. And the other one means that uh, they're not gonna be an asshole to work with. Because if you test things, it means that you appreciate that there's no silver bullet and that it's a process. So that's what I would always be looking for. So if someone's saying that I need, a, I need, I need this one company to solve all my problems, you're probably not ready, you know what I mean? Because what do you want? Unless you want to give the reins over and get a new managing director, that's totally fine. Be honest with yourself what you want out of it. But if you're not, be, if you're not able to recite that type of uh, dialogue, then I think it's like an internal thing or maybe you're not, you're not doing the right thing. And you know, something you brought up earlier to tie a few things together, you, you, you mentioned the aspect of seeking. You know, mm -hmm. if someone has built a product, put it online, and then just set it and left it, that shows, I don't know if it's arrogance, ignorance, I don't know what it is, mm -hmm. but that, I, it doesn't show that, that seek aspect. Mm -hmm. And then there's another word that popped in my mind when you were talking, there's a certain degree of humility mm -hmm. that someone needs 
to say, hey, listen, we've done this, done this, done this. We've tried this. We've tried this. This worked well. It didn't work that great. What can you do to help us? You know, you mentioned not, mm-hmm. not working with someone who's a jerk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. But the cool thing is, is that most people, if they come to you, mm-hmm. hopefully they do have a little bit of that humility yeah. already to say, hey, we need help. Yeah. And so, all right. So let's assume that we've got someone that says, I need help. And or they're listening or they've come to you or whatever and they say, I want, I'm going back to your words earlier, I want to build and seek after growth the right way. Hmm. Let's walk through some steps here in our last few minutes together of hmm. what someone would need to do to do it the right way. Hmm. So the right way is you start with the foundation. So know your margins. What are you selling your product for or your service? And what does it cost you to deliver it? All in. All in. If you're doing team lunches and you're doing fun things like that, that needs to all be part of it. So you need to have those financial fundamentals really in place because that's the first bit. And if we're talking about selling something online, I had a lot of conversations with people where they had their margins, but they didn't understand what it would cost to acquire a customer. I'm like, okay, you're selling this thing for a hundred bucks. Yeah. You're buying it. It costs you 50 bucks. It's expensive. You're paying $20 for packaging. Okay, we're up to 70, you got 30 bucks. What do you think it costs you to require a customer? They're like, oh, two bucks. I'm like, it's unfortunately not, man. It's gonna cost you, you know, maybe 30 bucks, maybe more. What happens if you need to test it? So that already helps highlight where the breakage is. Before we talk about Facebook ads, before we talk about anything, you get the, you've got to get these fundamentals right. That's the point where you know you need to optimize it. Then I'd be looking at optimizing things such as as the working capital cycle. So where you can get into trouble if you've got like a physical product-based business is that I say, okay, what, what will happen if you're paying for your inventory up front and then you double your sales? How are you gonna pay for the inventory? Where's it gonna come from? So then I start wanting to know things about my cash reserves and my cash flow. Those are the different bits. So once you've got that stuff done, you've ticked all the boxes, you've got a golden star, and you're ready to start understanding how you're gonna you're gonna scale your business out. The big the big takeaway I would give people today is that we're going back in time. We're going back in time in terms of thinking about qualitative, but Facebook's gonna go up and down. What you wanna be focusing on always are things like partnerships things like strategic alliances you can have with people where it doesn't cost you necessarily anything to drive those customers. Uh, or if it does, uh, it's at like an economical rate that you can you can afford. So you wanna be having a diversified product mix where the benefit of building a strategic partnership is that the guy who's competing with you won't pick up the phone. He won't do it. Mm-hmm. He wants the easy way out. He wants to turn Facebook on and he wants to be putting money into slot machines and winning every single time, which it doesn't work. Let me, let me pause yeah. you one second there, because Please. when you talk partnerships, I would love it if you could, and I know you may not be able to give exact names, but if you can give an example or two of a partnership or a, a type of partnership that might be of value, because I'm guessing that some people don't know what you're, what you're talking about with partnerships. So it's training in the real estate space. So the the easiest way to think about it is it's got to be complementary. So who who are you targeting? So someone that's interested in the real estate space that may want to be buying some training or working on some coaching, they're interested in, in making a little bit of money. What other types of things may have they bought before that aren't directly competing with what you've got, where you may see them at the same type of conferences. So you can start brainstorming this out and I would get loads of, of sticky notes. Love, that's my user experience background. Love them coding the wall. And I, I'd start mapping out everything complimentary. 
So uh, another, to give like an e-commerce example, I think about what is the thing that someone buys before? What is the thing that someone buys after your product? Or if they were going to the supermarket, what's all the other stuff that they may have uh, that's in the basket? So same type of thing. I, I want to talk to five or 10 people that may have bought the real estate uh, training so far. And I'd say, what other things have you spent money on before that's, that's related? And you'll start seeing some very common themes. Once you've got those common themes, it's really easy for you to go up to somebody who's selling those types of things and say, hey, we've got this really good real estate offering. I wanna help you increase your average value of client. What do you think about that? Why don't we send each other back and forward? It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that, these types of JVs. And it's phenomenal because you build a baseline of profitability, which then allows you to make bigger bets and spend, to actually spend faster into these channels without uh, overexposing. Yeah, and the good thing about it is, is that if it's a good partnership, you know, you're, you're not really having to put financial resources into it necessarily. It's just a good match. Uh, the good thing I love about the way you do that is that you probably press people to think outside of their box. Mm. I think I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners that they get that narrow focus that we were talking about earlier, and they don't even think about those things. I, I, I've actually interacted with some clients uh, that they are getting 80% of their business from partnerships, mm. but yet they want to keep doing things in other areas. I'm going, why don't we get a few yeah, more yeah, of these yeah. partnerships and yeah. just really, really blow it up? And they go, I, I never thought of that. So yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons, one of the reasons it's good to get outside help. So, all right. So you're talking partnerships. We were kind of going down the right way. And, uh, and what else after that here, we've got about five minutes left before we wrap up. So what else after that are some things that people need to do as far as the right way? The, the thing I really like about what you're talking about, Mark, is that you're not sitting here saying we're going towards doing Google ads or something like that. You are talking about a holistic approach of consulting and helping people with their business. So keep going. So the, the other piece that people need to think about uh, is, is a lot of, so the future is all messaging. Everything's messaging. That's where it's going. So there was a chatbot, a chatbot resurgence, oh no, sorry, a surgence. I guess if that's a word, uh, a couple of years ago, which is which has kept going, but the sophistication of these platforms is, well, they're just phenomenal. And a lot of it's going back to SMS. So it's always zigging while, while people are zagging. So it's always coming back to Fat Joe, the mattress salesman. So I, I try and think about the conversations that he has. And the reason chatbots and messaging is so useful is because it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's extremely personal, and it's in an environment where you own the touch point. You, you know, you own, maybe they followed your Instagram account, maybe their phone number, whatever it is, maybe it's on WhatsApp, is ensuring that you appreciate that people have other things on in their life. So when you've got, even if you've got a great Facebook ad and you've optimized your AOV, your conversion rate, yada, yada, uh, you've got to have some kind of communication touch point where you can authentically and gently communicate with someone over a prolonged period of time. That's really important. So make sure you're thinking about messaging because that's where the future is going. And all you need to do is look at what Facebook's doing. You know, look at the investment they're putting into WhatsApp. WhatsApp's not very big in North America, but it's gigantic in the rest of the world. But that's a signal as to the direction the world's going. Yeah, I've, I've got WhatsApp right here with some notifications on it where I communicate with people in the Philippines and other things. So I love the words you use, authentically and gently. There are so many people when they start talking about growth, Mark, that they use a sledgehammer. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and they leave all these bodies kind of laying beside, you know, on the side of the road, 
the mm. digital road many times, but it's still bodies. And their thought is, as long as they're not doing business with us, we don't necessarily care. Yeah. And that gently, you used that word intentionally, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just like, don't be a dick. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's not as fun. I've done both. I've, I've, I've not even used sledgehammers. I've used nukes. Yeah, and, and and then there's I did back in the day too. I did. I, I if yeah. people did, I mean everybody I dealt with had dollar signs on their forehead and I, I know I treated them poorly and I hate that, but yeah, you know, we learn, right? Yeah. And and it's it's when you go through it, you work out what matters to you. And it comes down to it's but that's part of the smarter, faster, happier thing. Like I, I don't want everyone just everyone inside the company having a good time. I want anyone that's uh, you know, as a customer side to enjoy it. And the the gently thing is that the tools are there to be really personal and the tools are there to be really creative uh, and fun with the way that you talk to people. So you can do that in a way where people notice it and you need to do it. You need to do it because what's happened because of the iOS 14 update, you're gonna see a resurgence in the use of email where people, uh, particularly people that are taking on cash, they're gonna be scraping the barrel and they're gonna be hammering their email lists, hammering them. So you've got to appreciate, everyone listening, the open rates are going to go down, the click rates are going to go down, the conversion rates are going to go down. So the people that are going to win are the people that have learned a way to communicate like a friend would, where people are excited to hear from you. And it's harder, yeah. but harder is good. Yeah, having a conversation, communication skills, exactly. So last question before we do a few wrap up things, Mark, if, if someone's listening in and they just need to kind of get started with something, give them one little tip just to kind of get started thinking about moving towards that direction of growth talk to your customers or if you don't have customers go talk to similar people talk to people talk 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 structure the right questions uh have curiosity as your core and just try and learn as much about them as possible they will give you all the answers excellent excellent all right how can people connect with you and maybe give a profile of the type business organization that should reach out to you if they would like to engage with you we'll include it in the notes but give it verbally so that people know how to uh how to find you sure see uh linkedin's good uh mark patchett there's two people there one guy's a sheep farmer from new zealand i'm not that one he may be a distant relative i don't know he would be interesting though that would be an interesting conversation i think a shepherd right <laughs> yeah yeah the best thing about farming in new zealand uh <laughs> If you could go, uh, and in terms of the right, the right kind of companies, you know, direct to consumer business that has a product that solves a problem. So you're selling your own, your own products, uh, and you're in North America and you, you're probably doing something like five or 10 million already. You don't have a lot of institutional capital and you're interested in growing and you know why you want to grow. Yeah. Very good. All right. Final question. Seek, go create. That's who we are. That's our title. Which one of those words jumps out at you more than the other two and why? And then we'll wrap up. Seek for sure. Seek for, ah, because you, you don't know why, but you just have to keep looking ahead and you have to keep looking up, but you don't need to know. Yeah. Love that. Man, Mark, thank you so much. I've loved this conversation on growth. If you have listened in, I told you at the beginning, you would in all likelihood want to share this. I think I told the Facebook crowd, I may not have told you listening in, being recorded, but uh, you know people that need to hear this message. My big ask of you, share this episode, this video with those people. You probably know someone in the demographic, the category that Mark is looking for. 
but I believe that anyone in an organization looking to grow is going to get value from this. So please share it with them. Text, uh, text the episode or share it from your player or share it on YouTube, whatever works best. We're on all the socials also. We are Seek, Go, Create everywhere. So thank you for listening in. Mark, thank you. It's been awesome. Until next time, we have new episodes every Monday. Continue being all that you were created to be.